Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, dig down deep from the pit of your soul. Come on, thank you, Jesus. God, we praise you. We thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Something that, that we take for granted too often. We have the opportunity to worship you. Your word says that, that even if we didn't do that, the rocks would cry out. The rocks would cry out and sing your praises. The rocks would cry out and sing your glory. But then the rocks would be blessed. The rocks would receive the favor. We need to step into that place of favor. We need to step into to the, the place where heaven comes down. The, there's, there's access points to heaven. Jacob had a dream, and he saw angels ascending and descending from heaven. He, he activated an access point. We activate access points to heaven when we bring praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. You have access to the throne room of grace like that song sings. God exists outside of time. So whatever you're facing, whenever you're facing it, you have access to the answer when you bring praises to the Lord. You have access to the solution. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no death in heaven. There's no defeat in heaven. The devil tried to bring defeat, but he was defeated. He was cast down out of heaven. The devil cannot defeat you if your home is in heaven. There is no way he can touch you. There's no way he can hurt you. He has no power over you if your home is in heaven. If you bring heaven to earth, which is exactly what Jesus taught his disciples to pray, pray, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If anything in your life right now is not an echo of heaven, then that's what you're praying for. That's what you're believing for. That's what you're declaring. That's what you're prophesying. That's what you're, you're getting around with your connector. If you're getting around with your family, say, these are the things that don't look like heaven, so this is what's got to change. This is what we're going after. This is what we're battling. Thank you, Jesus, for an open heaven in this place. God, every single one of us, we have the opportunity to worship you the opportunity to receive heaven on earth. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace, your glory, your power, your authority poured out right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, somebody give somebody else a high five. Tell them you're looking really, really ridiculously good looking this morning. Prophesy over them. Even if they're having a bad hair day, you can still prophesy over them. Thank you, Lord, that hair gets into alignment. If that doesn't work, come see Sherry. She'll help you out. She'll give you a good cut. Lola. So many, I mean, I bet I'm going to get in trouble now. There's so many people that work at the hot seat. Come on, stand up if you're a hairstylist, hot seat, anywhere else. Stand up right now. Come on, thank you, amazing people helping us look better, making us the best version of ourselves, get prayed over, get our hair did. So good. 
Come on, thank you, Jesus. Come on, stretch your hands out to these amazing people. God, I thank you right now. There's a transformation that happens in the kingdom of God where, where you come in one way, but, but something happens, there's a shift, and then you come out looking better. Your life should improve. Your life should improve when you come into the kingdom of God. There should be an increase of joy, an increase of life, an increase of smiles, an increase of favor. God, I thank you. That spirit rests on all of these amazing people. That they, they, their whole purpose in what they do for work is to help people look and feel better about themselves. What is more kingdom than that? Helping people look and feel better about who God has created them to be. Helping them to be the best version of themselves. God, I thank you for the, this ministry. It is a ministry. You don't have to be preaching from this stage. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an ordained minister to minister to somebody. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We can reconcile people in their differences. We can reconcile people in, in their self-image and their self-worth. We can reconcile people after the image and the likeness of God. We just have to see them through his eyes, not our own eyes. We have to see them how God has created them to be. God, I thank you for the ability for these amazing people to see People that are coming in, they're broken, they're hurting, they're depressed, they're looking for, for a friend, and these people are friends for them. Just by, just by cutting their hair, just by putting some makeup on, just by styling them, God, I thank you for the opportunity to serve that you've given these amazing people. God, bless them. Let them see every person who sits down in front of them through your eyes not their own. Jesus' name. Amen. Amazing worship team. Come on. Can we give them some applause? Fantastic job. I like that sweater, William. Looking very nice. Very dapper over there. Come on. Looking good. How are you guys doing this morning? Come on. Who's having fun in church? Like Jake said, church should be fun. If you don't like fun churches, then maybe you're in the wrong place. I don't know, I'm just saying. We try anyway, we try. We, uh, last, last time I preached, I, I sang a little bit of a song that was like an old revival song, The River of Life. And I don't know if I was kind of just singing prophetically or what, but I, I really felt like that word was, was kind of like a centerpiece of what I wanted to bring today. I won't sing it again. Uh, you can go back and listen to the, to the last message I won't, I won't make you suffer through that one more time. But my, my, uh, my family is all singers. My dad and mom were in the choir. My dad majored in acting. My sister majored in acting. Like, they all have amazing, beautiful voices. And, and I like sports. <laughs> I got all the recessive genes in my family. You saw the picture Lisa put up there. I was a towhead when I was a kid, super, super blonde. I, li I grew up in Kentucky, but everybody thought that I was from California. So maybe they were prophesying over me. I don't know. I was supposed to be out here. And uh, have you met my older brother, Jesse? You know, <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Jesse, he's not my older brother, but he looks like it. Everybody gets us confused sometimes. I want to welcome my, my good friend Dave Walsh from Alabama coming over here visiting us. Sometimes, sometimes in, in your life, you, you make lifelong friendships. You know, you, you meet people that you're, you're just, you're bonded to, you're connected with in a way that it transcends location. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. You always know that um, that, that person is a part of your life, and that's, that's you, Dave. Love you, man. 
one of my lifelong friends. We need those people. Like God has put those people in our life. David and, and Jonathan, you know, they had this bond. They had this tie. They had this connection that uh, didn't matter if, if, you know, one of their dads wanted to kill the other one. Like they, they were still friends. And if they can be friends, then anybody can be friends, you know. My dad wants to kill you. You better, you better not hang around the house anymore. Just a thought. God, God has a sense of humor. Did you know that? God has a sense of humor. And, and it's, all, it's all throughout scripture. One place I want to read for you, sense of humor. God, God names the place to get a drink, beer. God named in the Bible the place where you go to get a drink, beer. Let me prove it to you. Numbers 21, 16. From there the Israelites traveled to beer, which is the well where the Lord says to Moses, assemble the people and I will give them water. The Israelites sang this song, spring up a well. It's where we get that song from, River Life. Spring up a well in me. Yes, sing its praises. Sing of this well which princes dug, which great leaders hollowed out with their scepters and staffs. It's for all the, for all the religious spirit people in there. God, God puts little nuggets, nuggets in there. That's why we play the, the baptism video every time. Nacho Libre, baptism. Come on, that'll rattle some religious spirits. Did anybody leave? I don't know. I didn't catch it. You have, to have, you have to have a sense of humor. Wells are of vital importance for, for people in wilderness areas. The people of Israel, they were in this wilderness area, and, and the well was, was the only source of water, the only source of life. So God brought them to beer to get a drink. He brought them to a place where they could have life. They would not die. And Right now, in our day and age, we don't have to rely on wells because we have this fabulous invention called indoor plumbing. Thank you. Raise your hand if you love indoor plumbing. If you don't like having to go to an outhouse to go to the bathroom, come on. Indoor plumbing is amazing. And uh, what has that got to do with, with this message? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Why that's so important. See, in, in the time of the Israelites, they would have to go to the well to get water. But because we now live in the 21st century, we have access to indoor plumbing, we, never, we don't have to go to a well. We don't have to go outside to get our water. Our water is brought to us. So what that gives us, it gives us constant access to the flow of life. We have constant access to water, constant access to that which will keep us alive. That is everything that this message is about. It's about having constant access to the flow of heaven. Constant access to the flow of heaven. There's a transition that the people of Israel had to do. They had to go from the wilderness to the well to the place of the flow. They had to go from the wilderness to the well to the flow. Dry and arid place would take them to, to a place of life, which was a transition point. But then, then they had to, to keep the flow with them or not as we'll see. It's our choice whether we keep the flow with us or not. If we're in a wilderness place, we can come to a well to get a drink, but then, then it's up to us to keep the flow with us. Every single awakened church location is a well. Every single time we take ground, we expand, we open up in Boise, we open up in Bayho, we're going to open up in Coronado, we're going to build new buildings, we're going to expand, increase territory. Why? Because we want a well close to everybody in San Diego every, and beyond, Salt Lake City, Boise. We need access. They need access to the well. They need access to that life-giving water. But the water is not just supposed to stay in the well. We're supposed to carry it with us. 
So how do we get that constant access? Pastor Jurgen, when, when Awakened Church was formed, he knew that God had commissioned him in three specific areas. Three specific areas to, to, to not just dig a well, not just reach down and, and uncover some things in these areas that, that were broken or that were hurting or that, that needed life in them, but also to, to engage or activate the flow of heaven in those areas. The first area that he knew that he was called to, to activate the flow in and, and to dig this well was in barrenness. People who, who are unable to conceive or money, unable to, to come full term. Maybe they, they have a miscarriage or, or other things happen and they just can't seem to, to get to the point where they can, they can bring a new life into this world. And so he knew that one of the missions, one of the assignments of Awakened Church was to, was to, to counter the effects of the enemy in barrenness. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, to prevent new life if he can. And so our job is to break through those barriers of the enemy, to access the well of new life, to bring from barrenness to fertility, to fruitfulness. And that's one of the main, the main missions that we have. Another mission that we have is to, is to come against a, a spirit of poverty, a lack mentality, that we believe that we're, we're called to be a blessing. We're called to bless others. If it, some people have this, this philosophy or this theology that, that I just, I want just enough for me. I want just enough. You know, I don't want to be greedy. You know, I don't want to be greedy. I want just enough. But, but if you think about it, that's really a selfish motivation. Just enough for who? Just, just you? You want only enough for you? I think that's pretty much the definition of selfishness. I just want what I need, and that's it. But that's such a limitation on the potential of God. It's such a limitation on what God can do. Nowhere in the Bible and nowhere have we preached that, that the things that you get, you have to keep it all for yourself. That's also selfishness. But if we can be blessed to be a blessing, if we can be blessed to help others, if we can have prosperity so that we can reach out our hand and help somebody out of, out of a place of poverty so that they can go be a blessing to somebody else, that's a mission from heaven. That's our mission. That's our assignment. We're called to be prosperous not just for ourselves. We're called to be prosperous so that we can dig wells for other people, so that we can go into new territories, so that we can plant new churches, new places of life. Homes, territories, finances, investments, these are all things that, that God has given us as tools to expand the kingdom, as tools to expand the kingdom of heaven. We know that's our assignment. And the last one, the last mission, the last assignment that was one of the, 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 the genesis characteristics of Awakened Church, was coming against terminal diagnosis, coming against people who, who had, had been given their, their death sentence, who had, had no other hope, but they still had faith. They still could believe that God loved them. God wanted them to be healed. So we have the assignment to reverse the curse. Like that song says, we, we want people running out of the grave. We want people believing that they are healed, believing that they are set free, believing that they are restored. You don't have to believe what the doctor says. I don't care how many degrees or letters after his name he has. You can believe the word of God, the word of the great I am. I am the one who heals you, he says. I am the one who set you free. I am the one who gave my back to take the stripes so that you don't have to have sickness in your life. If you believe that, if you believe that, then you can access this well. You can access this favor. You can access this flow. The challenge, 
is to get into flow. Get into the flow of heaven. Get into the flow of heaven. Sometimes we, we kind of get so, not worked up, but we, we, we just get so concerned about finding the right location or finding, like, where do I go to get in the flow? Like, there's, there's so many churches or there's so many places or groups or, you know, can I just, can I just you know, listen to a ministry online or, you know, where do I have to go? Do I have to be somewhere? And, and having the locations is very important. But what I want to share with you today is that the access to the flow can happen anywhere. You can have access to the flow anywhere. It's funny that the, the, the children of Israel, they, they would go and, and dig specific wells and they would kind of look and find if it, there wasn't water then, then they'd go to a different place and dig again. Science, science always catches up with the Bible and with the word of God eventually. Science always, always proves out the word of God eventually. Just in the last 10 years, scientists have, have showed us through, through um, uh, magnetic relay and imaging below the, the crust of the earth, there's, there's this zone between the crust of the earth and the inner core of the earth. It's called the transition zone, otherwise known as the mantle. This transition zone is from 250 to 400 miles deep. And what scientists have found, that in this transition zone, there is more water than all of the oceans of the earth. Buried deep within the earth, there is more water than all of the oceans of the earth. You don't have to go to the ocean to get water. All you have to do is dig down. If you go down far enough, you will find water. It's all just sitting there compressed into these rocks. It's very interesting when you think about the, the great flood. The great flood. So all of, more water than all of the oceans of the earth is contained within the earth's crust and we are in the earth's mantle in this transition zone. And we know that, that, you know, from the song, God has the world in his hands, right? So when you think about the flood, we think about what happened. Really, all that had to happen was for God to squeeze. It's like a sponge. When God squeezed, all of the water came up out of this transition zone. The Bible says the fountains of the deep were opened up and water covered the face of the earth. Science will eventually prove out the word of God. Our logic, our understanding is limited. It can only take us so far. We have to trust. We have to rely on the word of God. This is the infallible truth of the universe. Everything that was created, is created, will be created is the truth is found in there. We have to access the flow. That means we have to dig. So it doesn't really matter exactly where, but that we dig. We need to dig. Now, I've got good news for you. Who's ready for some good news? You don't have to dig 250 miles down to access the flow of heaven. It would take you a long time. None of us has that much time. But we need to get into the flow. So the goal is to dig for the flow. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about three specific wells in the time that we have left. Three specific wells that are, that are called out in the Bible. And there's really only a handful of wells that actually have a name in the Bible that are, that are named a specific name. And so we're going to look at those and how it's applicable for us. Now remember, well is not, is not the destination. The well is not the de destination. The well is a place of encounter. It's a place of transformation. It's a place where you get access to the flow, but then you're supposed to carry the flow out. So when we look at these wells, I just want you to remember that, that, that they're places of encounter, places of transformation, places of access, but, but it's, it's not the final stop. The first one, the first well we're going to look at, Be'er Lahai Roy, the flow of fertility, from barren to fruitful, the transition from barren to fruitful. 
And so all, all, of, these, all of these wells, all of these places have, have a bit of tension attached to them. There's, there's, a, there's where you were or where you are, and there's where you're going, where God has called you to be. And then there's the transition to get you there, the transition to get you there. So the flow of fertility, the transition from barren to fruitful. One of the, one of the most preeminent people in the Bible is, is Sarah, Abraham and Sarah. And, and we know from the, the story that she was barren for most of her life. But this transition point and what I want to focus on is actually, is actually uh, centered around and was discovered by her servant, Hagar, Sarah's servant, Hagar. And to kind of set the stage for you, Abraham was, was given the call to leave his home country and, and go to the promised land, to go to Canaan. And he was about 75 years old when he got that call. And Sarai and all his family, they packed up their stuff and left. And we don't know exactly how old Sarai and Abram, Abram were when they first got married, but we know that from the time that they were married to the time that they left, it was enough time for Sarah to believe that she was barren, for Sarah to believe that she couldn't conceive. And she believed that God was preventing her from having children. It never says in the Bible that God was preventing her, that God made her barren. That was just her understanding, her belief. And so when they come to Canaan, we see that, that the promise is given to Abraham. God says, get out of your tent, look up at the stars of the sky, look at the sand of the seashore. More than all of these will be your descendants on the earth. So the promise was given, but it was still 10 years. 10 years later, and nothing had happened. 10 years later, and there was, there was no start, there was, there was no son that would be the heir of his house. So we can, we can kind of understand Sarah or Sarai, in her predicament. We can understand, give her a little bit of grace. I mean, it's been decades, decades for her wanting to have a child, decades that they were married, decades that she was believing, that she was hoping. And in and, and this time period in the Bible, for, for a woman especially, your, your whole legacy was kind of wrapped up in your ability to conceive, your ability to, to bring new life into the world, your ability to carry on the name. And so, so she really had no identity. She had no identity because she was barren, because she wasn't able to have kids. So we can understand. You know, she's in this place, and it's been decades, and, and she's thinking, what can I do to help? God, you've had a lot of time. Maybe there's something I can do to speed things up a little bit. You know, maybe I can, can take matters into my own hands and, and just help a little bit. I know you're busy up there in heaven, God. You've got the whole world to look after. So maybe there's something I can do. The problem is, is when we start to think that, when we start to say that, when we start to do that, when we take matters into our own hands, then, then our faith decreases. Our faith in God decreases because we think that he's either not able to or he doesn't care to or it's just taking him too long. We have to be able to, to look past our timeline and see things from a God perspective. So Sarah gives her servant, Hagar, to Abraham to be his wife so that hopefully Sarah can, can at least have the joy of, of this new life from her household because her servant belongs to her, then her servant's son would also belong to her and be the legacy. And in, in Sarah's mind, that would be an answer to the promise. But it creates tension because as soon as Hagar conceives, there's this, there's this animosity between them. There's this animosity between Hagar and Sarai. And so we're going to look in Genesis 16, just to read a little bit of the story. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. 
The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. I just want to stop right there for a second. Hagar was never a recipient of the promise. The promise was never given to Hagar. But Hagar stepped into the equation or was really kind of forced into the equation by Sarai. And now Hagar becomes a recipient of the promise that was on Abraham. I will give you more descendants than you can count. And then jump to verse 13. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that the well was named Ber Laharoi, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. The well can still be found. The place of the access to the flow can still be found at that encounter, at that meeting place that Hagar had. About 10 years ago, in, in our connect group, we had this couple that had come in, and, and they hadn't been able to, to have kids. And I, don't, I can't remember exactly how long they were trying, but, but it was long enough for them to kind of be distraught about it. It was long enough for them to be exhausted from trying. It was long enough for them to, to believe that, that what they needed more than anything else was prayer. And so the connect group, we all got around them, and we, we laid our hands on them, and we prayed. And as I was praying for them, God just gave me this picture of, of the, the wife, and she was in a well. And, and she was treading water, trying to stay afloat, and, and the water was rising, and she started to get nervous. She started to get stressed out. She started to, to try and climb out, but the walls were slippery. She couldn't move, and, and it was distressing. She was in this place of distress. And the word I got for her is that she, she needed to let go and find his rest, find peace. She had to relax. Like she was, she was trying too much in her own power. And for people that are, that are in this situation, for people that are struggling to get pregnant or, or to, to come to full term, I'm sure there's a, there's a thousand questions. Like, why is this happening? How long is it going to take? You know, what's the reason? Is, is there something I can do? Who's at fault? And, and so many others, you know, is it even worth trying? Is it even worth still trying? Maybe I should just accept the fact that I'm not supposed to have kids. All of these questions circling around, swirling around, but I think one thing that, that this word spoke to that couple and one thing that Hagar learned in this transition point was the most important thing is that I'm not alone. The most important thing is that there's a God who sees me. The most important thing is that I remember that he is with me. The one who sees me. Have I really seen him? The one who sees me the one who knows me, the one who, who now I understand that he knows where I am. I understand that he has located me. Now maybe I'm able to let go and let God. The word that I got for, for that couple was that the water that was coming into the well was not meant to take them out, was not meant to drown them, was not meant to make it harder for them, but the water was actually meant to elevate them out of the pit. The water was meant to lift them up. She just had to rely to trust in the water, the water from heaven, that as the flow came in, it would lift her up. Within that year, they became pregnant, and now they have two kids. From barren to fruitful, 
If you, if you feel like this is a word for you, I want you to remember this verse, highlight it. Psalm 107, 35. But he also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry lands into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase, increase. After Hagar had this encounter, she went back to Sarai and Abraham. And Ishmael was born to Abraham when he was 86 years old. 13 years later, Sarai, who would become Sarah, also conceived. And, but she would have a different transition point. And I'm running out of time, but I, I want to share this. I think it's important. Genesis 18, 13. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? She was overhearing Abraham talk with the angel of the Lord. And the angel says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did. <laughs> if you're stuck in this place of tension, if you're stuck in this place of distress, laughter is the best medicine. Laughter is the best medicine. That's why it's so important to laugh in church and have fun in church. Abraham at 100 and Sarah at 90 laughed their way to a baby. They literally named him laughter. Isaac means laughter. Maybe that's a word for you today. You need to, to let go of control, let go of the situation, and just find joy. Find a way to laugh in the midst of a trial. Find a way to laugh in the midst of darkness. And that will serve you well, not just in that area, but every area of your life. There's, there's five, five natural senses, and then we often say that the sixth sense is, a, is a, a premonition, you know, ability to see things before they happen. But I think the seventh sense is the most powerful. It's the sense of humor. you got to have a sense of humor. It's more powerful than all the other senses combined. The next well, Beersheba. Beersheba. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Beersheba, flow of prosperity. Transition from poverty to provision. We're going to look at Genesis 21. Poverty. Poverty to provision. Abraham then gave some of his sheep, goats, and cattle to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. But Abraham also took seven additional female lambs and set them off by themselves. Abimelech asked, why have you set these seven apart from the others? Abraham replied, please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well of the oath, because that was where they had sworn the oath. So Abraham had to put some skin in the game. He had to, to give these seven lambs. And seven is, is, in the Bible, the number of completion. We know there's the seven days of creation, including the day of rest, which is important. Never forget that. That's part of the creation, taking the rest. That's a word for somebody today. Some, somebody today has been fighting against po po poverty, fighting against lack, working, working, working. You need to take a day of rest. You need to rest in him. You need to take a step back, get some perspective, look at it from a different angle, look at it from a God's eye view. Reset your thinking. The number seven is, is binding. It's completion. Seven times, seven days the, the Israelites walked around Jericho. Seven times Elisha prayed to bring rain. There's breakthrough in that. There's breakthrough in the agreement. There's breakthrough in Beersheba. Before East Campus was launched, when we were attending Balboa, I would go to men's prayer every Tuesday morning there. Then after prayer, once, once we were asked to, to lead, this, lead this campus, I would leave prayer, and I would, I would come across the 52 into East County, and then I would take the 125 south, 
then get off on the 94, go Hamishaw Road all the way around to the 8, 8 east to Lake Jennings Road, and then up, and then I would go to my work in Poway up to 67. Seven times after prayer, I drove this lap around East County. Seven times I, I encircled this territory because I knew that God had called us into this place. I knew this was a place of breakthrough. Seven times I took time out of my day, took the expense. The transition to provision takes persistence. The transition from poverty to provision takes pers- persistence and perspective. Perspective. Circle the problem. Have you looked at it from every angle? Have you given that thing to God? When I was driving out, I was praying over this territory. Sometimes, most of the time, you can't see the answer to your solution with your natural eyes. Most of the time, you're, you have to walk by faith, not by sight. You have, to, you have to walk. You actually have to do something. Faith and works together. But faith is at the center. Faith is what's mo- most important. Circle that problem around, around, around again. How many times does it take? 77 times? Great. Keep circling until you find your answer. Keep circling until you see the way of breakthrough. Keep circling until you get what you're looking for. you got to push. you got to pray until something happens. Circle that problem. I guarantee you there's a way. And I guarantee you that if you pray, you will find. Ask, seek, and knock. If you ask and keep asking, if you seek and keep seeking, if you knock and keep knocking, you will find the answer. Sometimes it's a generational battle too, though. A generational battle from poverty to prosperity. Some of us have, have the blessing of having great parents or great grandparents, and they've, they've set us up well. They've, they've given us a, a head start in life. They've given us a strong foundation of foothold. Sometimes we don't have that. Sometimes our, our parents have actually left us in a deep pit or well, or cursed. Sometimes we have to battle through that. But whether, whether you've received blessing or you've received cursing from your family, you might still have to battle in this area. Abraham dug the wells. Abraham made the agreement, but Isaac still had to fight for it. Genesis 26, 18. He reopened the wells, Isaac, that his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug near the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. Isaac's men dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Argument and hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in the land. Sometimes we have to redig wells that the enemy has filled in. Sometimes we have to restore the names of those wells, the names of those places that are access to flow, the names of the places where we can transition out of the wilderness into blessing. Sometimes we have to call again the things that God has has planted as seeds in our life. Why? Because there is an enemy. His job is to steal, to kill, to destroy. So he wants to limit your ability to prosper. He wants to limit your ability to have breakthrough. He wants to steal as much as he can from you. And if he can't steal, then he wants to prevent you from getting any more. There's blockages that have been put in place over our lives. Why? Because we were born. Because we were born in the image and the likeness of God, the devil hates us. 
And he does everything in his power to prevent us from having abundant life, which is exactly what Jesus came to give us. We have to redig, we have to restore, we have to rediscover. We have to discover new, new wells. New wells, Isaac Doug. Eventually, you will find a place of prosperity. Eventually, you will find a place where there's no argument, there's no hostility, and God's favor is on it. How many times do we have to dig? Dig until. Dig until you get your answer. Dig until you find the solution. Dig until the answer is revealed. Dig until you find a place where there's constant flow. Dig until you get indoor plumbing. Keep digging. Once somebody's had indoor plumbing, they don't want to go back to the well. There's no way. No way. You want to stay in that place of the flow, but you got to keep digging. You have to persist. Persist until you find that Rehoboth, the open place, open place where God has called you to prosper. The last well, Ber Elim, Ber Elim, the flow of vitality, the flow of vitality. Transition from terminal to reversal, from terminal to reversal. We believe and we've seen in this church, sickness is healed, cancer defeated, broken bodies healed. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen, seen diagnosis of terminal be canceled, be reversed. We've seen people literally running out of the grave. We've seen people doing something new that, that it was told them they would never be able to do that again. Exodus 15, 25, says, Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Somebody say that. I am, I am. The, Lord the Lord who heals you. After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled to the oasis of Elim, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. Interesting, there would be 12 springs and 70 palm trees. There were 12 tribes of Israel. So each tribe had a spring. There were 70 leaders of Israel at the time. So each leader had a palm tree, a place to sit and rest and to teach. Elim literally means strong or mighty tree. Strong or mighty tree. A place of vitality. A place of rest and recovery. You see, God had to bring the nation of Israel out of 400 years of slavery. So he had to, he had to reset some mindsets. He had to, to change some old ways of thinking, change some old ways of doing business. So he brought them to, to the place of Elam, this, this mighty tree, this oasis. But sometimes our transition is also about what we leave behind. Before they came to Elam, they left the place of Mara. Mara literally means bitter. It was a place of bitter waters. Bitterness will block healing. Bitterness will keep you from accessing your blessing. Bitterness is one of the main strongholds the enemy will use to prevent you from being healed, from receiving healing. So time and time again, we have to, we have to reset our minds, reteach ourselves to not complain, to not be bitter about where we once were. Why? Because we know where God is taking us. We want to, to believe the transition 
is happening. We want to believe that as we're at this well of strength and vitality, that we can move from terminal. We can move from slavery. We can move from bondage into new life. We can move into blessing. But we have to leave behind bitterness. And we can't pick it up again. Israel, after they left this oasis, they went back into the wilderness, and the first thing they did was started complaining again. The first thing they did was, was go back to their old ways of thinking. So it's not enough to just have an encounter at the well. you got to take the well with you. you got to take the flow with you. The flow of heaven can happen in a moment, a moment, but then it's up to you to carry it for the rest of your life. It's up to you to choose to not be bitter anymore. It's up to you to choose. It doesn't change what happened. What happened happened. But you don't have to live there anymore. You can transition into new life. You just have to say yes. You have to say yes to the waters of life, the flow of heaven. You have to silence the spirit of distress. Later in, in, in Isaiah, it says in, verse, in chapter 15, verse 8, a cry of distress echoes through the land of Moab from one end to the other. Those, those echoes, the things that we, we send out are what come back to us. The cry of distress echoes through the land of Moab from one end to the other, from Iglem to Ber Elim. Even even the place where there was an oasis, even the place of, of rest and respite, the enemy tries to, to cover whole areas. The, the enemy will speak in generalities. Oh, people from cancer always die. People, people who have sickness, people who, who, who have infidelity in their marriage, they always get divorced. Who says? Where is that written? You can bring restoration. You can bring healing. You can forgive. You can choose to, to believe that God still has a path for you to stay in that marriage. God still has a path for you to reconcile. You can believe that, that I don't have to accept a cancer diagnosis. I don't have to accept terminal as the words spoken over my life. The enemy will take these broad strokes. He'll attack undefended areas. So we must protect our victories. We must protect the ground, the wells, the areas where God has, has encountered us or we have encountered God. We must protect the place where we find the flow. We must protect his house. We must protect the church. We still have some friends that are, that are battling through sickness. They're battling through these diagnoses. Sometimes you have to fight again. Sometimes you, you receive healing and then, and then you'll find the enemy comes again like a flood and, and you, you fight the same battle. How many times do I have to fight? Fight until. Fight until. Fight until. Fight until. Keep pressing. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep getting people around you. Keep coming to the well. Keep coming to church. Keep accessing the flow. Fight until. Don't agree with the lie of I'll always be sick. Don't agree with the lie of I'll never be healed. The devil loves to speak in these, in these always and never terms. You know what? Counter it with the word of God. I'll always have a place in heaven. I'll always be healed by his stripes. I'll always believe that your word is more powerful than his word. A diagnosis is just words. So how do you overrule? How do you overcome a diagnosis? More powerful words. Use more powerful words than cancer. Use more powerful words than terminal. Use more powerful words than sickness. Use more powerful words than divorce. Use more powerful words. Life and life abundantly. Speak the word of God over your life. Watch these powerful words echo back into your life. Sometimes you have to speak it again and again and again and again. If somebody has wronged you, forgive them. Forgive them and you will be forgiven. How many times do I forgive them? Forgive them until. 
Forgive them until there's no bitterness. Forgive them until there's no complaining. Forgive them until there's no hurt. Forgive them until there's no anger. Forgive them until your prayer for them is that God would bless them. Forgive them until you want the best for them. Forgive them until. Forgive them until it it carries no burden over your life anymore. Then you'll find peace. Then you'll find rest. Keep forgiving. Speak life, the flow of heaven, out of your mouth. Let it echo over you. As we come to a close, I have one quick bonus well that I want to mention. Since we are in the relationship series, I wanted to to toss this one in there. This is not a well that's specifically named, and it's actually multiple wells of the same kind. Wells of encounter, wells of engagement. Abraham's servant, Eliezer, was was sent. Abraham sent him to find a wife for Isaac from his home country. He didn't want to find a life in, in this foreign land for his son. So he sent Eliezer to find a wife, and it was at a well in his home country, that, I, that Eliezer met Rebecca. And Rebecca drew water from the well for Abraham's servant and drew water for his camels, went the extra mile, did more than what was required. And because of that encounter, Rebecca came to be the wife of Isaac. Jacob met Rachel at a well. There was a large rock that was covering the well. Jacob removed the rock, removed the, the thing that was blocking the access to life, the thing that was blocking the flow so that Rachel could bring in her herds and water them. Moses met Zephorah, who was the daughter of a priest of Midian, at a well. There was an enemy that was keeping Zephorah and her sisters from watering their flocks, and, and Moses chased them away. Jesus met a woman at a well. He gave her the water of life. The key to transition in relationships from being single to being engaged or married is service. The key to transition to being engaged or married is service. If you're single and you don't want to be single anymore, serve somebody. You never know. You never know if that person that you serve, maybe they're not the person you're supposed to marry, but maybe they know the person you're supposed to marry. Maybe they can introduce you to the person you marry. Maybe they'll say, hey, this person is an amazing servant. You should really talk to him or her. If you want to find life with Jesus, if you want to be in a place of encounter with Jesus, the amazing thing is that he's already made it available. He's already served us. He gave his life as a ransom, as a sacrifice, so that we could be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And all we have to do is say yes to him. If we want that relationship, if we desire to have that new life, all we have to do is say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna pray in just a minute, and and I'd like to include you in that prayer. If you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, if you've never met him at the well of life, if you've never drunk from what he calls the living water, the water that will always be with you. See, all of these things that I've talked about, all of these wells, all of these places of transition, all of these assignments, all of these commissions that we have as a church, all of, all of the things that God has asked us to do, none of that is possible without a relationship with him. We could dig down 250 miles and, and find water, but that's a lot of work and it's not gonna produce living water. It's only through the access at the well of life that we can have eternal life. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna, I wanna pray for you. If you've never entered into a relationship with your Lord and Savior, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. 
So right here, right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand where you're at? I'd love to pray with you, include you in this prayer as it closes. God bless you, sir. See that hand. God bless you. See that hand over there. So proud of you, champion. Good job. Anyone else today? See those hands back there. God bless you. God bless you. In the back. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So proud of you. Saying yes to him, the best decision that you'll ever make. God bless you in the back. Those two hands. Beautiful ladies right next to each other. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. I see that hand right down here. So proud of you. Maybe there's some, some people here today and you, you've said a prayer like this to give your life to Jesus, but you, you find that right now your life is not a picture of, of what you think it should be. It's not a picture of, of what you know that God intended for your life. You, you find yourself right now in a bit of a wilderness, a dry place, and you're just trying to, to find your way back to the well. That's okay. We've all been at that place at some point in our life. If that's you, I'd love to include you in this prayer as well, to rededicate your life to, to God, to get your life back to that well. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? Who are those ones? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the back. Thank you so much. God bless you there. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Who else is there? Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you to that person over there who lifted up somebody else's hand. Good job. Sometimes we need a friend to lift up our hand. <laughs> Come on, let's do this. Let's all say these words together. Why don't we stand to our feet right now? Say these words, especially those of you who lifted up your hand. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord and Savior. I claim right now that heaven is my home, that God is my Father. I repent of my sins. And I expect this new life with Jesus is going to be the best life that God has intended for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.